Is that Glock? Well, I'm tripping major nutsack right now. Oh, send it! Welcome to the world of winning. Hello and welcome back to an edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. My name is Graham, and joining me for all the twists and turns of the motorsport season, it's Luke Holmes. Uh, why? Hi. I knew that was coming. Hi. How are we doing? Uh, not too shabby. You? Uh, um, twisty. <laughs> Shall we say the least? I'm full of fluid. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? You can add or say. You can give any other context you want to. If you, <laughs> you can... uh, been in hospital for man trouble, shall we say? <laughs> and that's as far as I'm going to go with yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to say anything more. It's been a whirlwind of twelve hours <laughs> for me. If you're wondering why this is coming to you on a Tuesday, well, that's actually not even why. <laughs> it just happened to happen. It's not. We're just going to be asked. <laughs> you've had, uh, yes, you've had a busy weekend, say the least. But, uh, yes, you're feeling somewhat better-ish. Yes. 100%. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's finally here. We've got race week finally ahead of us. So, happy days. The wait is almost over. Uh, we did have some bits and bobs go on throughout the week prior, though, so you can hop into that. Uh, starting with the, I guess, the inevitable uh, rejection of Ferrari's uh, request for a new hearing over Carlos Sainz's Australian Grand Prix penalty. Uh, this has been dragging on for a little while now, but yeah, they drew a line in the sand on Tuesday when the hearing took place. And uh, I actually read what the, I actually going to read most of what the FIA statement on this matter was because it was quite interesting. Some of the bits are on it. And you will get well, obviously we'll go through science's reaction as well, um, but I just I thought it was super interesting this actual the official FIA statement here. Uh, I thought it was worth mentioning. So to uh, do anyway, so I'm reading this for racehounds.net and Keith Collins with this write up on this uh, on this. But obviously you can find the FIA statement on the FIA's website if you really want to comb through the difficulty of actually finding documents on the FIA website. It is uh, I've tried it. It's not fun. <laughs> Not for. I, I hate going on the FI websites. It's oh, it's just obviously because like F one is obviously not the only flipping thing they do. Obviously, but it's just so. Un- it's just oof. It's just a pain in the ass to uh, actually handle. Anyways, uh, to do so, the steward after the steward after having extensively considered the matter, including examining the annexures, yeah, to the petition and the available telemetry, summoned and heard team representative Laura Mekies, Fred Rasour, and Carlos Sainz determined the following. There is no significant and new relevant, uh, no, no significant and relevant new element which was unavailable to the party seeking the review at the time of decision dis- uh, concerned. Petition is therefore dismissed. This is the reason that they g- gave. Our decision was that Sainz was in breach of Appendix L, Chapter 4, blah, 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 of the FIA Sporting Code for causing the collision with Alonso uh, was made in race. We decided that Sainz was wholly to blame for the collision. We considered the fact that this collision took place at the first corner of a first lap of a, the restart, when, by convention, the stewards would typically take a more lenient view of incidents. However, we decided that, notwithstanding that it was the equivalent of a first lap incident, we considered, that we, we considered that there was sufficient gap for science to take steps to avoid the collision and fail to do so. We therefore imposed a five-second penalty. 
Petition contends that there are significant and relevant elements that which were unavailable. I think the petition actually is what is just, I think, refers to Ferrari um, as the petitioning team. I'm guessing that's just what it is, uh, which were unavailable at the time of our decision being made. And presumably, had we had the benefit of these elements, we would not have made our decision. So this is basically, so basically this is what Ferrari's uh, case centered around. The telemetry data of Science's car after the second restart, Science's witness statement, and other drivers' witness statements, which amount to the records of post interviews given by Alonso, as well as other drivers. So I guess before we get straight away, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, this, this, this case that Ferrari have uh, just built for themselves? Strong, right? Uh, case? What case? <laughs> the, the fact they're using interviews as uh, stuff to support their case is baffling to me and really shows that we're really grasping at straws. Um... From Ferrari's side, it's just an absolute shambles, to be honest. It took way too long on this to even get it in motion. It should have been done with it. Any other team would have had this done within a day. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the the interview that Alonso gave, I think, is essentially the him saying that it should, like he shouldn't have got a five-second penalty, which, uh, look, we know Alonso... Imagine they just used Alonso just saying he shouldn't have got the penalty. That was the only thing he said. Yeah. But the other thing is, like, if Alonso says, I think mostly says that because Sainz didn't finish ahead of him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that too. There is that element as well, of course. This is this is He's going to say that in the press, when in reality he's like, I don't care. Yeah, you just know Alonso. He just doesn't to save his face. He'll say it, but yeah. <laughs> uh, the competitor says that there is precedent for these matters being considered new and significant, uh, new significant and relevant elements. It points to the Stewart's decision dealing with the petition by Sahara Force India team seeking a Raya review as a precedent for the pr- uh, proposition that the verbal testimony of a driver and relevant telemetry can, can amount to a significant and relevant new element. Now, uh, straight away, when you, the fact that they've mentioned Sahara Force India means how many years they're going back here? Yeah, we, we, we were both scratching our heads at this moment when we was like, you were you in particular, like... What? Where have they gone with this when they first dropped about? Yeah, that was my confusion. Like, what precedent was this that it involves Sahara Force India? And then we haven't seen an F1 since 2018. Um, what was my initial? My I know what was my initial speculation. You were right with your initial speculation. Yeah, it was, wasn't I? I, I believe 2014. Yeah, um, I was going to say 2008 for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, okay, 2008. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, we believe, it's never actually confirmed. It wasn't actually confirmed what precedent they were looking at, but yeah, they're, the widely rumored thing is I believed uh, precedent that they're citing is the 2014 incident between Felipe Massa and Sergio Perez. Uh, an incident that I know was very contentious, certainly among the two, two drivers. Um, mm. I remember, I, I, this is so random, I remember an, an F1 racing magazine edition, I think in 2016, I think Perez was being asked questions. And Massa literally asked him a question about Canada 2014 or vice versa. One of the two. Like, but like it showed that that incident was still, you know, a point of contention for those two drivers. So like there was a, obviously, look, look, they were fighting for, I think, fourth. I think, Vettel, uh, I think Vettel had done them both. I think it was for fourth and fifth. And obviously Massa, there, I actually can't remember. Who, like, do you even remember who's to blame? It was one of those weird incidents. It was very strange. I can remember my heart being in my mouth when it happened. Oh, it was an h- enormous accident. There's a great... And then you just have all in the middle of it. Oh, he was millimeters, I think, from being taken yeah. out. There's a great view from someone... You can look, look at it on YouTube. Someone took a... It was filming uh, from the 
grandstand or the seating at, at turn one and of the accident like it's flipping insane uh the forces that both drivers went through is a big big accident anyway uh to, i think it was one that i think perez was taken to hospital for naturally uh like, i think both could have been taken but anyways uh continue on with this this is relevant for for this uh yeah, for this. Uh, the factual circumstances of the steward's decision under review in that matter are quite different to those here in this matter. The Sahara, Sahara Force India F1 team matter involved a post-race hearing into the incident. In other words, it was not clear to the steward who was at fault for the collision in question. The competitor's driver was not available to attend the hearing because he had taken to hospital following the incident. And that was why I thought, like, oh, that's why it led me to believe it was Canada. For, like, 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 like what other Force mm. India driver? What Force India driver went to hospital? And I was like, there's only been no, one accident that comes that. to mind, yeah. Uh, to do The hearing proceeded without the ability for the competitor to speak with its driver to obtain a version. That happened after the hearing, and the driver's version put a different light on the facts that have been put to the stewards. The distinguishing feature here is that our decision was made in race. We deemed it unnecessary for us to hear from science or hear from any other driver to decide he was wholly to blame for the collision. A decision that we and other stewards panels routinely take and are encouraged to take where, uh, when the cause of the collision is clear and there is a t- there is a need for time penalties to be issued as quickly as possible. So backing up on that then, basically what we've essentially said already, uh, like you didn't actually need, you didn't actually need to hear from science to know that he was to blame for the incident. Like there's nothing yeah. that could have been said that would have prevented like it was still his fault there was no other it was 100 his fault element at play like you don't need to hear like i still like again like it may yes it's the end of the race we'd take decisions quickly to matter to re- decide points and i agree with them that they, they didn't need to speak with science to to determine that he was at fault mm. um like the same in yeah. the same way that a lap one incident would have the same thing you get a penalty mm. for taking someone out on lap one it's pretty clear it's obvious we don't need to wait till after the race uh, for such a decision to take. Hmm. Um, that wasn't all, though, that they said. Um, so they, they they basically then shit on the um, Ferrari's argument one by one. So let's go through this. Uh, regarding their first point of telemetry. So the telemetry data itself of itself is not a significant or relevant new element required to decide who was at fault for the collision. Students have access to a considerable amount of telemetry data. We were also in a position to access such data. The telemetry data presented in the petition is at best ambiguous and in our view did not ex- hold on, expulate, I think that's how you say it, uh, science, but in fact corroborated our decision that he was wholly to blame for the collision. He says he braked harder but could not stop the car because of cold tyres. He says further that a slow formation that contributed to the cold tyres. Uh, <laughs> first of all, before we go to the cold tyres thing... <laughs> I love what I love from that is not only do we think that he's still to blame, but we are reaffirmed in our decision that we are absolutely correct that he was at fault. <laughs> Thank you, Ferrari, for confirming this, by the way. Absolute idiots. What an absolute fucking shambles. Oh, only my team. Oh, that's, that's so funny to oh, me. Speaking of which, it's always wonderful when you're uh, going in for surgery like I did today and... Uh, the uh, anesthesiologist says that they're like a Ferrari pit crew. I was like, please don't say Ferrari. Please don't say Ferrari. Wow. Well, Four teams, please do not say Ferrari. <laughs> say. Do you know what? As someone who's undergone surgery as well in the last year, surgery's scary, man. Like, it's, regardless of what it you're is. going in for, like, it's when you're there and you're in the operating theatre and you're being wheeled in, 
I don't like know. Twenty people crowding around. Yeah, it was not fun. It's 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 a it's a scary thing. Like for me, like they maybe sign a thing like there's a one percent chance I might die or something in surgery. Like you know, like they go they have to go through it. Obviously, it's a scary thing. It's a scary place to be, and that's why they have someone at your head to reassure you. Which a lady for me was great. Like it's they really do help. Oh yeah, they were all brilliant. Do you know they're fantastic. But that's not something I need to hear going into this scary situation that the Ferrari crew prone to its errors. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was like, please don't say that. Please oh. backtrack on that statement or just knock me out now. <laughs> you may as well just put the scalpel through my throat. Yeah. Oh, dear. Brilliant. Oh, thank you for that. That was brilliant. Uh, anyways, uh, carry on there. There are two short points. First, even if that is true, the presentation of delay... <laughs> Even if that is true. This is an official FIA statement. <laughs> the presentation of telemetry showing his breaking point is not in significant new elements for the purpose of Article 14. Second, the conditions of the track and tyres were something that every competitor needed to take into account and adapt to. In trying to brake late while racing, uh, Gasly is what they said here, he adopted the risk that he, as a driver, would lose control of his car. In this case, that risk materialised as a consequence of a collision that ensued, for which a penalty follows. <laughs> Even if that was true. Oh, really? oh my god. Amazing. Um second second point is uh, the defense for or the case for Ferrari. Science's written witness statement, the document itself, is not a new significant or relevant element required to decide who was at fault for the collision. First, had we thought that this required a statement from Science to for us to analyze the event, we would have summoned him after the race. We did not consider it necessary then to hear from him to decide that fact. His witness statement, in essence, states how poor grip was. And in brackets, we have dealt with why that was not a sufficient excuse above, uh, and, ha- end quote, and how the sun was in his eyes. But logic would dictate that the position of the sun would have equally affected other drivers too. It is not a justifiable reason to avoid a penalty for this collision. The witness statement, therefore, is not a new element either. God, that's just incredible, isn't it? Just slam them into the ground. I love it. Oh, I love my team. This is rough, man. This is, this is actually rougher to read Probably than I realised. It's a bit of public embarrassment, honestly. It really is just a public embarrassment. And look, we'll get into <clears throat> why they're, they're rightly taking this stance. Last element. Uh, the other driver's statements are not new, significant and relevant elements required to decide above the incident. None of the statements contained any new, significant and relevant versions about the collision. These statements were all records of post-race statements given by drivers to the media. These were presented to corroborate their position that the grip level was low and that the tyres were cold. Again, while these statements were made subsequent to our decision and therefore could not have been present when we made this decision, nothing stated in those comments were significant or indeed relevant to our considerations. This does not satisfy the requirements of Article 14 either. We accordingly dismissed the, the petition. So of the three elements, element three was the closest they could have gotten to getting something done here because it was... Post-race interviews are not were not available to the steward, obviously, who took the decision during the race. But then they decided that these these uh, like post these post post-race interviews didn't matter. So there we go. There is. They were never going to matter. No, but that was the that was the only just a, that was the only thing that could have been available to the stewards that they didn't have available to them when they made the decision. Everything else, brilliant. So fantastic stuff, Ferrari. Well done um, with that. Science still still disagrees with us. Um, he said he was very disappointed the FIA did not grant us a right to review. Two weeks later, I still think the penalty is too disproportionate, and I believe it should have been reviewed on the basis of evidence and reasoning we have presented. Um, we could have to we have to continue working together to improve certain things for the future. The consistency in decision making process has been a hot topic for many seasons now. We need a clearer. We need we need we need we need to be clearer for the sake of our sport. 
and he insists that he's in, uh, what happened in Australia is now in the past 100% focused on Baku which I think yeah. is completely false as well because he's yeah. he's very clearly not going to let this go and I don't like this is not the hill to die on there are other hills I think are worth dying on and I just don't think this is one of them I don't think this is how you spend one of your three wishes so to speak no um, but there you go so yeah any final thoughts on that <laughs> just why why is this taking all this time just to be publicly embarrassed by the FIA of all fucking people? It's just, yeah, yeah. I actually think there's a larger discussion to be had here with regards to essentially wasting people's time. Um, oh, yeah, but at the end of the day, they're always going to do it. But there's no, no because why. there's no repercussion for doing so. Like, if I think they should take a similar approach to how teams appealing red cards in football should take, if you fail, then your penalty is worse. So instead of three-game suspension, it's four games. Because like, and teams would be there, would therefore be more careful about making bullshit cases. And this is not the first one from Ferrari either. Um, oh yeah, no, there's multiple ones like this across the entire grid. To be fair, it's just yeah, you should at least have to pay all the legal fees and stuff for there, everybody that's involved. Yeah, there should there should be some additional penalty in in play here for absolute nonsense uh, cases like this. Where yeah, I think it would, something like that would make them think, especially under the cost cap era. Exactly. Like, yeah. Or hey, maybe they don't want, maybe they don't want a three grid play, grid, three grid place penalty for something so trivial and bullshit because we can't accept the fact that our driver was at fault, and only after the fact and a week after do we decide, oh, let's go, let's go out and you know, uh, let's go out and defend our driver now. Whereas at the time, like, because <clears> remember at the time, Fred Vasseur said they weren't going to appeal it, and then. They changed their stance. That's, on the, that. that's the thing. If they were straight there on it, I'd have been like, right, fair yeah. enough. Okay, go see what the stewards say. At least hear them out and see why they've given the penalty. But they weren't. They waited a week, so that just makes it worse. And the fact that we're just getting onto race week and we're only just sort of wrapping up on uh, about the Australian Grand Prix, which was nearly a month ago, yeah, <laughs> is uh, bizarre. Uh, they also tried to do this for, for Vettel's um, penalty in 2016 as well in Mexico, and that failed too. So there's plenty of precedence yeah. here for them <clears throat> not getting... Oh, and look, with the Karun Chandler thing we obviously mentioned as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, there's, okay, there's an interesting article from Ed Straw about um, about the right of review, the whole thing being exploited, uh, review process being exploited. Uh, there's an interesting thing... Uh, the he writes do, 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 do. by examples are aforementioned Ferrari petitions uh, sorry by examples are the aforementioned Ferrari petitions and also the Red Bull attempts to get Lewis Hamilton's 2021 Grand penalty increased as well similarly petition, Mercedes petition to get Max Verstappen penalised for his driving at Interlagos last year none had legitimate and new significant evidence beyond their own their own righteous indignation uh, Red Bull even created its own evidence of Alex Albon conducting te- track testing but, like and there's like Ferrari to, to point the point there Ferrari aren't the only one to do this um, again I just think there needs to be consequences for, for this nonsense uh, for teams doing this mm, for agree. because there's no repercussions for making wasting everyone's time and for Ed Straw excellently puts right, righteous indignation mm-hmm. that's all it is yeah um, so there you go uh, other than interesting Ferrari aspects this week uh, was Daniel Kivia saying that uh, they Ferrari offered him Bullshit. Raikkonen's race seat bullshit. in 2016. Fuck off that they offer him Kimi Raikkonen's race seat in 2016, considering the, the relationship that was about to happen with... <laughs> yeah, with, that was happening with Vettel. Not a chance. To be fair, it hadn't, it hadn't taken place at the time, but the 2016 yeah. China thing. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like, Didn't you think it was weird that Kvyat just randomly got picked up by Ferrari as development driver in 2018? 
Maybe there were, like yeah. the, maybe the link wasn't outrageous. Really? There was an experienced driver at the end of the day. Probably the best experienced driver you could get at the time. For for nothing, pretty much. I'd have done the same thing. Maybe. So you, you don't believe it then? No. <laughs> but I still seem trying to put himself back into the limelight. It does seem mind, odd to mention, was, yeah, seven years later. Yeah, and the fact he was informally testing mm. today. He was. Of all things. Well, there. Uh, yes. have a chat about that. Uh, in other news, uh, more bigger, like a bigger current F1 news as well. Um, Mercedes announced, uh, well, they didn't, I don't think they've announced it, but I'm actually, no, they have announced it. The, uh, they announced a technical reshuffle with uh, basically Mike Elliott and James Allison switching places, switching roles. James Allison refer, uh, returns to technical director, while Mike Elliott takes uh, Allison's role of chief technical officer. So essentially this puts Allison back in the mainstream of things, back as the, the face of the technical side of things for Mercedes. He's back day-to-day uh, operations, whereas uh, Mike Elliott can move to Mercedes' other kind of projects as well as F1. Uh, so, what were your thoughts on this? And this is now, I'm pretty sure Total Wolf said this wasn't going to happen. And yeah, based on the fact that James Allison was doing a three day week at Mercedes mm-hmm. and living at, and doing most of the race weekends, apart from the other few here and there at home, because he didn't want to be trackside anymore, because he he basically done with that part of his career. So there's been some serious cash or promises made to him somewhere along the line that this isn't going to be a long term project, a long term thing. This is a short term fix to try and keep certain people of the certain people inside the team happy i.e george and lewis it was interesting so, because obviously allison stepped away from stepped into this role in 2021 i think during during 2021 obviously quite an intense intense season for mercedes um and he t- and allison talked about how technical people like him have shelf lives was the uh excuse me was the way he believed that there was a shelf life so it's very much a move on allison's part more so than mm. anything else now the whole thing with mike elliott here Supposedly, this is part of this is a conclusion and part of a review that he instigated and came to yeah. conclusion himself. Yeah, that he's not the right man for the job, basically. So, which is fair enough. He's all said to him, said to himself, right, the team's gone downhill since basically I took over car development. So, yeah, hands up, fair enough. But at the same time, he sort of got himself a promotion. It's yeah, really it's a strange. weird one. It's a demotion and a promotion at the same time, isn't it? Like, yeah, because you're not really doing much race side, but you sort of higher up in the company. Yeah, and you're you've got James reporting to you of all things. It's really weird. <laughs> it's a strange one because like this wouldn't happen if Mercedes had hit their targets and were performing well in the two seasons and the two cars that um, the thing is Elliot has uh, produced here. Who's got a back in aerodynamics mm. as well. They are being way too fucking dramatic. And I've said this since the season started. They are not as far off as they are making out. They had the second quickest car at points so far this season. No doubt in my mind. They are just overdramatic because they're not winning. That's basically all it is. And they're trying to save face so they look like they've done something to keep people happy, like I just said. It's just all a, a massive ruse. And I hope it backfires. So do you think much will actually change here with this It will, this because James Allison is very good at his, what he does. Very, very good. I yeah. appreciate him as an engineer. He is one of the best. He's in the top five, for definite. I don't think this solely... I don't think this solely falls on Mike Elliott, but like he's going no, to take, take the brunt yeah. of it. He, he's, he's, the, uh, he's the squirrel of the Mercedes <laughs> world. I think... 
this is probably the better deployment of talent, I would say. Um, yes, 100%. Which I think is fine. Um, that's absolutely fine. Um, no, no need to make a mountain of a molehill in, in that sense. Uh, so yeah, I, th I, think, I think this is a short-term solution, though. Because there is no way James Allison lasts more than two years doing this. Not a chance. He'll get them on the right path and then step away again. Yeah, this, is the, this, is, this opens a larger question about Mercedes succession, which has been a bit of an issue. Yeah, because it's always been in-house. It's never been... We'll go and steal some from, some from another team. It's always been, right, we've lost someone here. We're going to promote someone within, which is great if you work at Mercedes. Because <laughs> obviously there's plenty of, plenty of chance to progress. And the fact that people like Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin have all been, and Audi now, for instance, have all been recruiting engineers left, right and centre. So there's always been places opening up above certain people in Mercedes so they're always going to move up to fill up the voids and yeah it's, it's just very very it's, it's a strange way of doing it but I get why they do it but at the same time it's probably bit them in the face but it's slapped them in the face for not bit them in the face in the long run yeah like this again this this move is not going to do much to save their 2023 season if you know and save maybe, maybe even not even the 24 to be honest I don't I don't think well, that's where I think that's where it'll start for sure it will start but I don't think you'll see it, the effects of it till too late, till later on in the season, anyway, unless they get the ground off the ground pretty much straight away with all these updates that are coming. Mm, which year. Wolf is promising are going to be fairly frequent. Yeah, where's where's all this money coming from? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, how much money do you pour into this year at the expense at this expense of next year? Yeah, and, and they run into a similar that. problem where again Ferrari and I'd rather Red... finish fourth. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I'd rather finish for. You'd be better off with the resources and the people at their disposal and the facilities. You might be better off in that position and having another go, you know, do next what, year. Basically do what Aston Martin are doing, pretty much. Now, if they're, if they're in... Paddle to the metal. If they're in fourth in June or like the, the first checkpoint, so to speak, then obviously that will help. But obviously the second part as well, if we like, finish the season in that position as well, it would... Yeah, if we if we get to Belgium and they're fourth, which I don't think they will be because Ferrari are very far behind as it is already. Um I don't I don't see them throwing in the towel because mm -hmm. they, they like the PR too much. It's too too uh, good for them to be. And I'm sure the big bosses at the Daimler will not be happy with a fourth place. Oof. Even though there will be reasons behind it. But yeah, that's not good for the company, is it really? Mm. Considering they're one of the sports most successful teams of all time. I, still, I, this, I think this is the right move for Mercedes, though. I think it yeah, will. yeah, of course. And it's, it's I, deep. I think I think other teams could learn from this, and like because I think in other circumstances, Mike Elliott would have left Mercedes and not come <clears> back for you his. Go to any other team and put this scenario into play, this this doesn't happen. Do you know Mike gets backed. Yeah, so. like we've just seen it with James Key. We've seen it with Tia Bonato. I like this. I mean, we talked about it with Bonato. I like this redeployment in a different capacity. Mm. Um. But like team principle might be difficult to come back like, to save face from because I, I mean led the whole operation. Can you accept being a, you know, a, a going back to a cog in the machine? Maybe not. But um, I certainly think McLaren could have, you know, moved key somewhere else as part of the restructuring. But anyway, he would have been a key to their success. Yes, he would have been. I think so. Given given the right, given the help, given the the structure, I think he could have. I think he really could have benefited from it. I really do. Um, yeah. So I like I like it from this perspective from Mercedes that they redeploy in this way, and I and I, and I like that Elliot wasn't too proud in the same vein um, mm -hmm. to do that. I, again, I know it's a promotion, so that, that I'm sure that helps. 
boss. Yeah, he's like, give me some more money. I've done shit, but give me more money. <laughs> Let me go on a three-day week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, because obviously, not. It's important to mention, like the look. Total Wolf also be green lights all this stuff. Like, it's the Elliot is not the author and the sole mm. author of the the no side pod concept. Do you know what I mean? It's got it's got sign no, off from a lot of different been... people. A lot of people are involved. It's not even. It could. It might not even be his. It might not have been his general idea. No, the 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 thing is this: if this still goes wrong after this, then you sort of got to say to yourself, right, there's something wrong at Mercedes after this. Surely there is something completely off mm-hmm. with this whole new generation of car. It just doesn't seem to work for them. So yeah, the the I I hope it works in the sense of I want James Ellis to produce something really good, but at the same time, the Ferrari fan in me <laughs> and the anti-Lewis Hamilton fan in me is uh, <laughs> making me say no please don't for the love of God Do you ever think about how James Allison had worked out Ferrari? No No <laughs> Nobody works out on Ferrari ground, I'm stupid <laughs> True once, once Ross Braun and John Todd and all that era were gone, that was it Yeah, yeah no one's come close since Well, I say that we did win the title in 2007 but I would say that's more McLaren. Well, Jean Todd was Jean Todd was still there. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But, yeah, Lewis was rookie mistakes on that title for us that year. Uh, you did. Well, I mean, the 2008 constructors at least went went your way. Yeah. Technically, if we get a successful trial with 2008 double <laughs> champions, yeah. maybe there is. Yeah, Massa is apparently still assembling a legal team when it comes to this, so haven't heard the last of that quite yet. Uh, a couple of other quick hitters, though. Uh, there is a piece on motorsport.com written by Adam Cooper talking about how if well, like, could Aston Martin switch to Honda power in F1 2026? We saw, Dis- I saw this. Discuss. Um, yes, but can't see it. I like it, but it's not happening. Because, yeah, Mercedes... I don't know, I'd say. I don't know. It's hard, isn't it? It's just, it would be. It would make sense. Because it would be sort of Aston Martin stepping away from Mercedes, which I think they want to do, because they don't really want to be a customer team to them anymore. Mm. Especially if they're in a fight with them in the constructors of all things, um, it would make sense because it's obviously it's probably the like the best all-round package in F1 in terms of engine just being an all-rounder. It can do pretty much everything. It's not insane at just one particular thing. So I don't know if if I'm Mike Crack, um, why not take a punt on it? But if they're going to do it, they need to do what Red Bull did with it and not what McLaren did with it and sort of let Honda do their thing mm-hmm. and then design the engine around the design the car around the engine, shall I say? I think Honda learned enough at this stage about this 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 engine and how it works and how other teams work. They've you know, they've been through a few, they've been through multiple teams at this stage and. They've got yeah. their act together, you know. They were grossly misunderestimated under, twenty fifteen. It was horrible. Every like, McLaren weren't perfect either. Uh, so like, I was and like they it took a engine switch for them to realize that as well. Honda weren't great either. They're both better off where they are. Well, actually, I mean, McLaren can be debated these days, but I do think it's a good. I think it'd be a good move for Aston Martin just because you know we talk again. Go back to the old age old Ron Dennis thing. Can you win as a as a with a you know as a Customer team. customer team that's the word uh you know like again his theory in, in his, his his idea in theory for switching to honda in 2015 i think was a sound one uh how much do you think red bull red bull benefit for being the like a, a work basically the works you know the works uh honda team you know that's 
it comes with benefits that you wouldn't get as a customer team. I think it's certainly worth exploring for Aston Martin if who, like you say, want to maybe break that Mercedes tie, so to speak. Um, this is a good way to go do it. And it's, it works for it worked for Honda because like one of our questions, like they've registered obviously as an interest for a 2026. But like <clears throat> who's going to, you know, who's going to, who are they going to supply? Like they're not. It seems they're basically straight out of the bat. Already you know what I mean? Gone. Um, Just instantly as, as manufacturers, they're gone. Yeah. Five teams, sorry. Those obviously being the Mercedes, Ferrari, uh, Audi, of course, Alpine, Red Bull, Red Bull of course, now Alpha Tauri. Williams has just recently distanced themselves from us with James Fowles. Yeah, Haas will probably tie themselves up. Do you know? It makes mm. complete sense for for whoever's going to get whoever's going to whoever lands with Honda, so to speak, is getting a, a great it's deal. Or Honda or Haas, should we say? At this point, I think. So. Mm. I still think there's some wiggle room at Williams. Well, I think if it came to pass that the best option was Honda, I think Vowles would take, Williams, it. take it. I think that I I would take it. I understand why you'd be hesitant to throw off. away the link with Mercedes immediately, but I think at some point, I think it makes complete sense. Yeah, I, I've said this plenty of times, but they need to leave Mercedes in that respect. You know, because I think that I think they're limited. Maybe by the time twenty six comes, maybe that time is ready. I think James will be evaluating this this year. I'm sure he's in talks with Honda, or there has been talks in the past before he joined. Hmm. And I'm sure Doralton will be sort of nudging, hey, they're looking to give us £400 billion. <laughs> and it would be an iconic partnership mm. again. We obviously know McLaren are exploring their options with their, their shopping round. It, it, basically, the Honda thing is, can they get over the... Can Honda stand to pick that relationship back up? And conversely, there's a Fernando Alonso question with Aston Martin. Mm. You know, can <clears throat> can they... You know, can can they can those two reconcile, so to speak? Can McLaren and Honda reconcile from their failures? Can Alonso and Honda reconcile? I think Alonso can, considering what car that engine is powering now. So, I think that would sort of be sort of like swept under the carpet. Go go a good few PR things for Honda, and he'll be fine. Yeah, I think enough time has passed as well, and enough enough yeah. success from Honda in the sport now has come as well. With you know essentially being a champion with Verstappen and, and you know, obviously not officially, of course, but uh, the same with the, Red, with the Red Bull engine as well. You know, we all know it's a Honda, essentially. Uh, and, they've, mm. you know, they've, they've had success with that. They've had podiums with that. Look, I still think if Alonso could end up coming back to McLaren after 2007, then certainly Honda could end up being back with Alonso or McLaren either way. Yeah, I think. Like, if that bridge could be reconciled with Ron Dennis, no less... At McLaren, who was very harsh, very, very, very harsh by the events of 2007 um, with Alonso. I think there was a strong betrayal he felt. And I get it. It was very, obviously very emotional. Um, if that could be reconciled, I think this could be as well. Yeah, easily. But it's interesting. Certainly, Aston Martin and Honda. Um, Doesn't roll off the tongue, though, does it? Aston Martin, Honda. I mean, does Red Bull Ford roll off the tongue well? Not really. You know, like it's you know, Red Bull Ford R B B T H F R E S P E C T. Yeah, whatever at this point. Speaking of McLaren, though, they announced that their McLaren driver program is bit of a bit of a fresh, refreshed development program. Piece of news. This was absolutely pointless. Basically, we've got a driver program and we're going to rebrand it 
even though it's a young driver program, but we've got drivers that have been in it anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah, no new phases in it at all. So basically, reaffirming their uh, their program essentially uh, It's being run by a uh, former F one driver and Le Mans winner Emmanuel Pirro. Mm-hmm. So uh, and in this in this ranks are Alex Pillow, Pato Award, and F four racer uh, Hugo something Hugo Trump, Hugo Chukwu. Hugo yeah, Chukwu? American. He's like sixteen, very highly rated. Mm. So. Speaking uh, of which, F4, actually, did you see the monumental crash? I did. Um, Absolutely ridiculous. Do you know what? I actually had watched some F4 running, uh, but just not that race. Partly because the commentator for F4 is a little hard to, for me to listen to. Oh, God. Uh, just... Oh, Davide Valsak, is it? No, 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 no. I don't know what his name is. I think he's Aust- he could be Australian, but... Okay. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, just why are them cars not got anti stolen them, for fuck's sake? Honestly. Absolute joke. Yeah, not the greatest weekend from that point of view. With uh, obviously we had the curb sausage curb thing for the one fucking Irish driver, man. Fuck's sake! Four broken vertebrae. Four. Absolutely ridiculous. And an incident that was like almost swept under the carpet as well. Yeah. Very poor stuff. Uh, we'll talk more about Freck in a sec. Uh, I actually, want to talk about some Michelin. Uh, some Michelin. Oh, do we have to? Yes. What, what tires. Do we go to tires. <laughs> Um, they said that they were unwilling to make tires that destroy themselves for F1. Um, there was some. F- that was last week. Yes, there, there's a there's a piece from Ida Wood on racefans.net. There's a fascinating bit of uh, outlining from the. Uh, I think there's part from the tender that actually FIA put out. Um, so to do, I, I thought this was fascinating for some of their targets that they actually, uh, they actually. Uh, outlined for the next generation of tires, so to speak. Uh, so I'm going to read some of this. Now, so this is all nerdy stuff, but anyways, what, what are you here for? <laughs> uh, do, 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 do. So, uh, bear with me as I figure this out. Yeah, so, in their invitation to tender for an exclusive tire supplier for the current period covering 2020 to 2023 and later extended to 24, the FIA clearly outlined its targets for how rapidly lap times should degrade for each of the three compounds used in the vast majority of race weekends. Target A1 of the tender asked the tire manufacturer to aim for compounds that would lose roughly two seconds of performance at different rates. The hardest by 22% by race, di- race distance, the mediums at 18% and uh, the softs at 10% race distance. The FIA also set out rough lap time difference between the three compounds. The, uh, the higher tire was the baseline. The medium is supposed to be 1.2 seconds a lap quicker. The soft 2.2 seconds a lap quicker than the hard. In 2023, the praise tires are far closer in performance than the initial FIA target requested. With uh, praise own data suggesting the medium compound has been on average 7 tenths of a, lap, uh, 7 tenths of a second a lap quicker than the hards. Uh, the soft 1.26 seconds a lap quicker. For 2025, I think, it, I think that's the they've got it right with that with that balance, probably. To be honest, <clears throat> yeah, the gaps that F one has put out are fucking ludicrous. I hadn't heard these gaps uh, before, though. This is what I want to bring up because, like, no. I did, I haven't seen or heard this information beforehand. So mm. it's interesting that the uh, this is what this is, and this is that part I read. This is for current tires, so it's interesting. Um. For 2025 and beyond, the FIA states four main aims for F1 tyres aside from overriding concern of safety. Of highest priority is improvement of the show. Secondly is drivability of the tyres, followed by overall performance and finally the tyres operating conditions. 
There does seem to be a philosophy change for 2025. No longer is the FIA calling for compounds that rapidly degrade with major lap time deltas each step. So this is maybe the critical part here for maybe new invitations and maybe Michelin's comments here in general. Instead, they explicitly specified tyres that will offer very little degradation across all three compounds. Oh, God. So... Uh, let's do FIA's ideal hard compound during a race weekend would last around 180 kilometers, a little over half race distance, with the mediums lasting just under a third of race distance, the softs around a quarter race distance. In terms of lap time, the FIA are calling for more parity across the compounds than teams have ever had over the start of 2023 so far. They want the mediums to be around half a second lap quicker than the hard compound during a typical race weekend, with the softs around a full second, uh, full second a lap faster than the hards. That's about right. That's how it should be. So, for any fans who have longed to see the back to the tyres liberty designed to reduce a cliff, will be disappointed. The recent tender still explicitly mentions a non-linear performance gradient change cliff as being desirable both for its impact on race strategies and to ensure tyres are not run to a point of excessive wear. For Michelin and potentially other tyre manufacturers, this is the crucial factor that dissuades them from considering a bid of their own. Interesting. So. It sounds like they're trying to please everybody and pleasing nobody at the same time. Yeah, making it very difficult to achieve, if I'm honest. Yeah. Very, very difficult. So yeah. I thought that was interesting because I didn't really, like, I hadn't heard that uh, 2023 kind of specify, like, they, they, decide, they want, this is what the general gap between the compounds that they are looking for. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. But, anyways, yeah, so, uh, sorry to bore you with uh, more tire talk. <laughs> uh, should we talk about some Formula EU oh, that happened over the weekend? Let's do it. Uh, I have not finished race two, but I know the results. Okay. Uh, just talk about, obviously, double header in uh, Berlin. Um, by the way, best crowd oh, I've right. seen. You like it? Hmm. Yeah, a lot better than the normal Mickey Mouse tracks they do. I agree. Uh, <laughs> it is one of the longer F, F Formula E races, of, like, in terms of, like, it's been on the calendar since, I think, the beginning. Or at least yes, twenty fifteen. Yeah, the Berlin E Prix. Yeah. Um, and you could tell, like, great crowd, great turnout. I must say. Yeah, so much that they wanted to get on the track round. I, I, I. The reason I don't like talking about this is like I don't like giving credence to this bullshit that people no. are doing. If you want to send a message, there are better ways to do. It. I think media have a re- of all categories. I know. I think was if Antonio Felix de Costa. I think I said that all of all categories. What are we doing here? Um, but like, I feel like like. I think the media have a like almost a duty to not give credence to this bullshit that they're doing and giving them the attention that they clearly they want. Didn't, to be fair to Formula E, they sort of cut the camera straight away. Oh, Formula E, right. yeah, cut it. But like publications afterwards, like, and they do this for other like tweeting the group they're responsible, and it's like you're giving them exactly what they want. Like they're disrupting the show. They're putting people at risk, let alone themselves, the people like in the flipping cars as well. Like they're putting people at risk. This is not the way to go about. Like I understand what you want to do. That's fine. There are better ways to go about than this. And I think yeah. the media giving credence to their bullshit and listing the name of the, like the, of the 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 organization oh, or whatever just yeah. gives just makes it makes them more I guess righteous or make gives them makes them like they feel they were, they were right and their names getting out there and I don't know, but like ultimately it's such a bizarre thing to do that formula e-race of all things like that is yeah there is rumors going around that something similar is going to happen at monaco this year just absolute twats honestly it's just yeah i get the message you're fighting for it's cool yeah no i I back the message you're just doing it the wrong way like it's just like and It's, it's when they when they do the just stop oil by spraying um words onto a road 
yeah. using oil-based paints. That's what <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> they, yeah, they had, they had to stop for a few minutes. Like, cause I was like, they thought maybe they put some glue on the track or something. They, they glued, one of them glued themselves to the medical car. Fucking idiots, honestly, just. Yeah, yeah. Um, tank... Fine, do, do you, bestie, but at yeah. the end of the day, it's not the right way to do it. No. Thankfully, we got a flipping whopper of a Formula E race. 23 lead changes, 190 overtakes. I've never watched a race where there's been 190 overtakes before. Eight <laughs> different leaders, which is a new record. Honestly, just race two wasn't as, as jacked, as say, as race one. No, because I think everybody sort of understood what the actual game plan was because it was literally the whole emphasis, the whole, not emphasis, the whole point of that race was you did not want to be in the lead because you would use more energy up and obviously they've only, they don't make pit stops in Formula E in this mm -hmm. generation of car. So um, the more energy used, the more likely you are to not finish the goddamn race or you'll have to save more energy or and then therefore have less pace yeah and you see this at the end of races where like some drivers can vault up a few positions because they've done better job saving their energy until the last lap and that's how Verlon made a few places at the end there but mostly because like De Costa was out of place Verlon was out of place uh, I think Mortara may have been out of place as well there was a lot of players pieces of people out of place especially yeah. for race two Jesus Christ that was bizarre what happened in qualifying what happened in qualifying for race two is essentially <laughs> the equivalent of a Williams front row is essentially what happened. The app team yeah, hadn't basically. scored any points until pole position for that, and they, had, and they got a 1-2 in the wet qualifying. Crazy. Yeah. Nuts. Uh, race one was absolutely bonkers as well. Uh, our boy Dan Tictum decided hell for that and just took the lead on lap one. Uh, the Neos... It was a great were, move, to be fair. Yeah, but I think to an extent it was allowed to happen as well. Um, yeah, because everybody was just like, yeah, we don't want to be in the lead, to be honest. And then you came see. together with Soffel Van Dorn as well. Yeah, and then said he wasn't at fault for it. What did you, what did you think? Uh, he Van, was at fault. Van Dorn was a little squeeze, wasn't he? Uh, it was a big accident, to be fair. I think, I don't know what McLaren got caught. The McLarens are very yeah. anonymous in this weekend. They were, they've been good the first few rounds, but they, they've been pretty anonymous the last few. Yeah. After their good start. Uh, do, 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 do. Yeah, Verlain made some places at the end there, which was good. He still needs a championship, but not by many points now. Nick Cassidy has really thrown himself into the mix here. Three podiums in the last four races. Um, yeah, some fantastic team radio, by the way. Did, did you did you see the base of the falling out Nick Cassidy and Splashing Buemi had over the weekend? Yeah, they were not not best of buds. <laughs> that, that was that was tense. Like Buemi's prickly at best of times. We saw that in F one as well. Mm. Um, Cassidy was having none of it. Oh. Very much so. I thought they were going to crash. Like, it wasn't yeah. great. Like, it's such as... had a full-on 20-second rant about him over the team radio. Yeah, it was, was crazy. That was one of the wilder radio rants I've heard. Yeah, Like, doing was, an impression uh, of Buemi as well over the flipping radio. That was crazy. <laughs> um, brilliant, but... Like, it's such a stark contrast from, like, the very clear, great relationship that Sam Bird and Mitch Evans had, despite, I think, Bird... Which one of them took the, one, the other out in India? Bird took Evans out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, like, even, like, they recovered from that just well. Like, they got a 1-2, like, their first Jaguars, first 1-2. They were just... They were mad. They were well hyped for that. Like, they were... Celebrations, like, this is they won the title after mm. the race. No, you would be. Uh, so they smashed it, the, to be fair, that race, first race. Um... So yeah, basically we have a championship fight between Cassidy and Verline for now. Uh, Jake Dennis scored his first points in the four races, having uh, his brakes failed. Uh, his, one of the power of his brakes failed and he 
poor old Antonio Felix the Costa man he was on for a cracking result in that first race and got absolutely almost basically T-boned he did well to see it coming didn't he yeah I don't know he how he saw it coming he didn't, couldn't do anything about it but yeah so it was um, some debatable driving for whoever was in front of uh, Max Gunther who I, I don't know how he managed to avoid a penalty as well for um, it was some bizarre moving yeah so he was well feisty in race two as well with Verline. Verline had to get the elbows and give Gunther a taste of his own medicine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, well, it, was, it was good to see the Maseratis actually do something for a change. I actually enjoyed Formula E. <laughs> that was my main takeaway. I actually enjoyed that. But then I'll guarantee we'll go to the next race and I'll be like, yeah. Yeah, very possible. I, I, again, like, I do think, you know, I know I don't like the sounds. Monaco, I, um, I think, yes, you're right. You're absolutely correct. In, 11, in two weeks? Uh, ten well, days, yeah. Gone. Yeah, it's normally just before the actual Monaco Grand Prix because they've used the basically the well the track cell they might as well yeah. Well, they use the full. I think they use the full version now, don't they? They used to use the half version. Yeah, which the the Mickey Mouse section. Yeah. Yeah, but they use the full version, I believe, now since <laughs> last year. Yeah. Uh, to do as close to anyway. Yeah. Mm. So, but yeah, like I know people don't like Formula E and the such, but honestly, like honestly, it's I know it's it's had more rounds. Granted, this is round eight. But even still, like even going to the first few rounds, I think it's been the most enjoyable category of so far of F one and I'm not IndyCar is close. I disagree. I know you would disagree. Um but I, honestly IndyCar has been the best one for me, but yeah. Yeah, we can talk about it very quickly, just I'm the Kyle Kirk was not to. winning. Fuck. Yeah. Kirk would fucking want to race. Can't believe it, man. I've Oh. But to be fair to him, I'll tip my hat to him. It was a good drive. It just he did a very good drive. I'm more pissed off. No one else took it to him. Do you know what I mean? I don't think Grosjean was allowed personally, considering how much push to pass he had. He had uh, nearly 150 seconds with six laps to go. So, you know, yeah, could have quite easily caught up. And you're allowed. He could have used it every lap on both straights, and he didn't. He had like 40 seconds left over at the end of the race. Yeah. So, you know. Uh, weird one for uh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I don't like how we've done this. Um, <laughs> I want yeah. I was going to talk more about Formula E, but uh, uh, yeah, swing back. It's okay. Yeah, swing I was going to say um, not the best four races for Verlander recently. He's only taken twenty points in the last four races. I I don't. He wasn't helped by his teammates having a go on Gunther, and he lost and Verlander lost position to Gunther, which may have in mm. turn cost him position to, to Costa at the same time. So wasn't yeah, wasn't cool. helped by that. De Costa has been the better of the two Porsches from the last few rounds. I yeah, I think I think you're right. I do like. It would have been a lot closer in the championship fight had not been absolutely yeeted by Dennis. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, like weird. Like I didn't think, I didn't think Cassidy would be the one here, four points off. I told you, I I liked Nick Cassidy before we even started this season. So I didn't really rate him much. Um, the one, the one, the one driver has got my estimation a lot more recently has been Mitch Evans. Yeah, I, I, I've known about Mitch Evans for a long time, but he's, he's good. There's, there's some drivers that I like more. I, I do like Jay Dennis because I, I listen to his team radio when he's been taken out several <laughs> times, and it is yeah. absolute top-class entertainment because <laughs> he is basically like the average driver and does Very much so. And, yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I will say as well, Buemi's had, a, Buemi's had like a weird run where he's t- like... He take he's at you know he now is the most pole position in Formula E history, but has had a weird season where it's just nothing has worked. It's been weird. Uh, Van Dorn's this morning. Van Dorn's this morning season continues. 
uh, defending yeah, champion, right. 26 points. His teammate, John McVern, is 81 now. E. Yeah. So, Washed. Yeah, not the best title defense. So, yeah, a bit of a weird one. Uh, so, yeah, Verlain still leads by four points, though, so it's extra spicy now. But Anywho, uh, there's our first Formula E. Uh, actually, very quickly, just wanted to mention the Formula E test while we're still here, but I mean, we'll move on Formula E. Isn't it weird that, like, the, the test, this, this testing grid is stacked. Absolutely stacked. Off the top of my head, I'm going to reel some off. I've got the fastest list in front man. of me, but do it. Right. Fastest man from today, Felipe Djokovic. In a Maserati, yep. Yeah. You've got, obviously, Daniel Kvyat, which we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Johnny Edgar, which we mentioned last week. Yep. Um, Robert Schwarzman. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm closing at straws. I'll run through the list if you... Uh... Oh, uh, boy, the boy from Barbados. Yep. Hey, Maloney. Um yeah, no, that's it for me after that. So <laughs> I run through. Uh, obviously, no, obviously, most of them be F2 champion Felipe Djokovic, F3 champion Victor Martins uh, in the Nissan, Zane Maloney in the Andretti, Luca Giotto in the Nissan. I've not heard yeah. of Sheldon Vanderlind. He is DTM. Okay. Uh, he the, was the, one of the ones that took out Liam Lawson. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Oh, wow. <clears throat> what a nice throw. Uh, he was either him or his brother, one of the two. Um, J.N. Deruvela in the Mahindra mm-hmm. uh, like we said last uh, we, we, yeah just make it happen already Schwartzman in the Penske Luke Browning from F3 in the McLaren David Beckman former F2 driver in the Porsche Daniel Kvyat as you mentioned in the Neo uh, Yefie Ye? no, no clue no idea Porsche Tim Tramlitz from former region European by Alpine in the Abt no uh, Mikel Azcona haven't heard of him uh, Will the Lad Stevens in the God. Penske Linus Lundquist I've heard of him but I don't know where he's from IndyCar ah oh, thank you that's what it is this is the easy rookie this year that's no, thank you that's what it is no, good, nice name though good name mm-hmm. uh, Hugh Barter from F3 as well Adrian Tambay which I believe is the son of Patrick Tambay former F1 yeah. driver Roberto Mary Charlie Eastwood I don't know <laughs> good old Jordan King <laughs> Jack Aitken, Simon Evans, who I haven't heard of, and Johnny Edgar popped up the time, timings here for the FE test. Um, what a stacked rookie test. First, I think first F Formula E rookie test since 2019. This, yeah, this is the first one where they've actually had to do it with young drivers. Yes, it was yeah. a point that was made. Yes. Young drivers, uh, Rule the Lad Stevens and uh, <laughs> Roberto Mary. Yes, the guy's not got two years in Formula One or anything like that, but you know. Uh, they were teammates, weren't they? Right? Yes, and, they in 2015, were. yeah, brilliant yes. stuff. So a lot of good, a lot of I think really good drivers there. Um, lots of not quite. Yeah, yeah. And then lots of could be in there, isn't it? It's so no one that really makes me go. Ooh, yeah. Apart from Victor, there's there's drivers Victor, here that Victor I. Bobby. There are drivers here that I think you're too good for this. Drivers, I think you'd be perfect in this, and drivers that you will be in this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or you should have been in this from the fucking get go, but you know. <laughs> so, like, drivers who are too good for this, I think, are going to be Drogovic, Martins, Maloney, Schwartzman, definitely. Yes. Them four. For sure. um, drivers who are going to be in it, or, sorry, or who should be in it, uh, Jay and Deruvula, um, Daniel Kivia, probably. Um, and Jarvis, who will be in it, Jan Deruvula, to uh, do Kvyat, I'd say. Beckman, I would say, as well. Aiken, I would say. Aiken, I think, is a definite good shout as well, certainly. Um, Johnny Edgar, I think, is going to be in here as well. 
um, yeah, so there you go. Like, yeah, interesting split. Uh, actually, there's some quotes from the race from um, Djokovic on Formula E. Uh, and he said, I enjoyed it. And I think it actually surpassed expect- expectations, especially coming from Formula 2 and Formula 1 cars. It was maybe a bit weird to, st- uh, to start with. And I didn't know if the cars are going to be enjoyable to drive. But it's actually very fun to drive. So I enjoyed that. Also, everyone knows that the category is very competitive. The teams are very professional. So that also surpassed my expectations. Everything's impressive and I'm enjoying it. So, but I think I think that's more to do with how I I would say that's more to do with how low I think maybe the bar was set heading in, yeah, than anything else. So, but hey, fair play. Uh, he would be a testament to the category for sure. He would prop it up. Him and Schwartzman would prop that category up for, sh- for sure. Uh, I just think they're too good for it. To be honest, on the two that's that's incorrect. <laughs> yeah. See, the man's literally dying at the moment because of anesthesia wearing off and it can still crack a joke <laughs> oh it's getting painful uh bombs soldier on uh is there anything else you want to mention about formula e before we wrapped up i mean like super super fun like that was nah. two really good races uh, and it's 109 overtakes is not what formula e is every week but the action how close it was is yeah, close was to what it is most lap. weeks do you know what i mean yeah um like if you want close running in Formula E, like you've got it, uh, and I think they've got a really good balance with qualifying and um, attack mode and how how it's There's used. Pissy, gimmicky shit anymore. It's just normal, and that's fine. Like the the dynamic with attack mode, I think is really great because you're sacrificing lap time, but getting more power. You're losing track positions. Can you can you make that up? When do you take your attack t- attack mode? It's not like the fan mm. boost. Like it, it, I completely agree with you. It's yeah. not a random thing. Like whose driver's favourite? Nick DeVries? Hello, fan boost for you. Oh, you're in the lead of the championship. Have some more power. Yeah, great. So, I think it, I think this series is as better as again. I, I I'm not been a fan of it in the past, but I think it's in a great place it's now. Going in the right direction. You know, I I think it's in a really good place. Just a couple more things, and I'll be a bit more convinced. But we'll get we'll, mm-hmm. that's a topic in front of us. Yeah, I want to talk about some former regional European player by Alpine, uh, which season kicked off at Imola. Um, up and down kind of events. I still don't like you talk about flipping things that have been the formats being perfected. I still don't like timed. timed. I don't time like a half an hour and three safety cars per race. Essentially, uh, not a fan. Just you're losing a third if not more of your running already and that's if the race even gets going again don't like it that's why i can't get into it yeah i understand why i'm in tr- i'm i i like it because i invest myself into the drivers before a year before i get into f3 and such so um i'm some good drivers here some really good drivers in the field uh i would say so first of all some good returning drivers like uh kaz Havercourts. um i like victor bernier I have to say, Tim Tramlitz has actually won won the better rookies from last year. So, and he immediately showed that he's got pace in his uh, his second year in Freca. So, I'm liking that. And obviously, he just took place in the uh, took pole position for race two, and obviously just took part in the uh, test there very early, like very early on. Uh, very, like not like look, you got guys from F two and uh, you know former F one drivers and the such getting the mix here. Tim Tramlitz is flipping in Freca of all things. Like this is like he's what I don't know how old he is. Um, for some reason, his age is not listed on the his bio on the former regional European like Alpine website. Sort that out. Um, but like, I do like some of these drivers here as well. There's some other drivers saying, uh, obviously, notably from other categories, 
uh, is Camara from Rafael Camara from Brazil. He's part of the Ferrari Academy. Very good qualifying. Very recent signing, by the way. Mm. Very recent. Very good qualifying uh, in race one. Didn't go the plan. I think he was involved in an accident, but um, so good pace shown from him. Obviously, Andrea Kimi Antonelli. So very good pace shown He's from the him. Jam that people know. Yeah, if you're watching Freca. You know, if you want insight on the Mercedes Junior, and look, I, it was weird, man. Like I know it's so early, and we know we get excited about flipping drivers really early, but I, it was so weird. I could not help but watch Antonelli. He's he's 16 years old, just turned 16, I believe, or close to it. And he qualified second in and finished second in the first race. Race two was a complete throw throwaway because he had electrical problems in qualifying. He's 40 seconds off the pace and couldn't take the start in race two. So didn't even get to race. But I just couldn't have a look at him. And like, I just think he's going to be an F1 at some stage. Oh no, it's always going to happen. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I have to imagine this is what people felt about like when they watched like Lando Norris and Junior Cargrays as well, and like Russell. And like I just look at and I was like, he's going to be in F one at some stage, and I just know it. It was weird. Mm. Like I think it's so early. Like it, it, like a thousand things could happen, and he could not pan out, and you know you could get to F three and F two, and it doesn't go his way, and. But it was just weird. It just felt like, yeah, he's I swapped him like immediately, basically put on like. Now he's not kind of as a rookie. It's weird, like Freca with, you could tell on the side between the who's listed in red, or he's got the grey bar and he's got the red bar. Who's listed as a rookie and who's not? I believe the qualifier for this is that if you've raced in some other Formula Regional category, like Formula Regional Oceania or Middle East you're not counted as a rookie. So even though it's his first full season in Freca, he's not counted as a rookie, unlike um, my favourite standout from Freca, Martinius Stenshorn. Um, oh. Yeah, Martinius Stenshorn just turned uh, 16, I believe, or 17. Uh, I don't think he's signed to an academy, uh, but yeah, absolutely killed it. Uh, podiums in both race one and race two, leads the championship ahead of Cass Havercourt. Um, smashed it, absolutely smashed it. For like, look when you look when you get a rookie to do anything in these in these in these categories, especially Freca. Freca, like, if F three is a series where being in the second year helps, Formula Regional European presented by Alpine is e- even more so. Like this isn't a championship won by rookies, generally speaking. Yeah, this it do, it just doesn't really happen. Uh, so for a rookie. To, like and generally speaking, like for some people, this is their first open wheeler. Essentially, like some people don't mm. even go through F four. Like for some people, this is their first experience of single seaters. Yeah. So for Stenshorn to come through as he has, I think is super impressive. He just yeah, he just turned seventeen in February. Um, uh, oh, he is part of the um, Rosberg Racing Academy. Okay. So, yeah, it's from Norway. Uh, to do. Yeah, to, I try to think what he was in last week, uh, or last week last year. Uh, but yeah, so some other, some other fun, uh, some other fun uh, drivers. Uh, Charlie Verts, you want to guess the relation? Oh God, yeah, not particularly, but yes. Yep, <laughs> uh, son of Alexander Verts, I believe. You are going to not going to believe it. We've another fucking Fittipaldi. It's Emerson Fittipaldi uh, Junior, who I think just turned sixteen. He's the youngest driver on the grid. So another mid drop by the grid. It's just another Fischer-Paldi, isn't it, at the end of the day? All mid. Uh, <laughs> they have been, really. Uh, Enzo, so far, has been yeah, very mid-neft, as we discussed. 
Uh, there are, look, there are a bunch of F1 juniors scattered amongst here. I'm not going to list them all now. Obviously, there's no point. Um, there is a... I will say there is a uh, Maya Vogue. Vogue. Uh, she's a female driver. She's part of the, uh, part of the Ferrari Academy. So, okay. so yeah, there's a um, yeah. So that's uh, certainly of note. Yeah, uh, coming on the weekend. Like obviously we've got the F1 Academy this weekend as well. Actually, I was actually forgotten that it was taking place this weekend in Austria. I completely forgot. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't realize either until uh, I saw the calendar. So. That's taking place this weekend. I don't know if it's televised at all. I, I don't know. I I guess know. maybe not, but maybe F1 will have something on F1 TV. I have no idea. Maybe Sky Sports will have something, but I'm really not sure. But yeah, that's taking place this weekend, so don't forget so Don't forget that. Mark your calendar. Uh, I'll be I'll be watching. If I, if it's there, I'll be watching if I can. Um, I'm interested. Hmm. They run car, cars close to this. I, I just think that di- I think the diff they are F four cars they run in, in the academy. I think the difference is they don't have push to pass like these cars do. Yeah. Um, if you want some other drivers to watch in Formula in Freca, uh, Santiago Ramos, I'd recommend. Uh, obviously, uh, Antonelli, uh, Camara, uh, Camara, Stenshorn, I'd recommend as well. To do uh, some of the returning ones like Bernier and Dufek and Havacourt, I think is worth watching. Belinsky, I thought was quite good as well. Um, Belov is quite good as well despite the fact he only was a very late addition uh, raced in Freca last year and only got a cob very recently very late situation for him so he had like no, he didn't, get, didn't, even, didn't even do pre-season testing but he got himself a good result there I think in race 2 uh, before well, I think, or did he crash I know one of them crashed I know Tram that's crashed as well with one driver but anyway uh, there's not going to be a ton of Freca talk throughout the season I just yeah I just I'm a sicko, so I enjoy it. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. And I, I don't like the timed stuff either. It's not my not a, not a thing I like, but anyway, I like it. I'm a sicko for it, so I'm going to Baku. Yes, Baku, previewing Baku. That was all I had to say about that anyways. Um, I mean, it's all yes. <laughs> the, it could be an interesting one at Baku. Obviously, sprint weekend, first and foremost. Um, oh yeah, what a pointless sprint weekend because we're not even doing the proper. I know. Weather. Yeah, we're not doing the re- the reformed format, I guess. So, unless it changes, but it would have be been a very late that. green light. If it was going to be, yeah. So it's gonna be interesting at the very least. Um, they're thinking. They think it's gonna be some cooler conditions, which I think is gonna be interesting for the ninety degree braking turns we have. So I think we're gonna expect lots of people yeah. locking up and going off wide because <clears throat> we're here a little bit earlier than we would normally be. Good. So that's what I like. The pra- to be fair, like if you want to watch the practice sessions, this is the one to do it. We get some wild and wacky practice sessions. How many people are going to be going time. off at turn? One? Yeah, yes, you do. I have time. You'll be watching lots of people lock up at turn one, turn two, turn three, turn eight, yeah, turn sixteen. Mm-hmm. The the most prominent one. Yeah, so lots going to be lots of that. So I, I expect there will be some fireworks in uh, practice and qualifying with regards to traffic mm. and accidents. Mm. Yeah, there's no point in talking about which car is going to be fast. Yes, that's the thing. Like, I would expect a slew of upgrades from a lot of teams, some more notable than others. Um, I'd expect mm. every team to have upgrades in some capacity. Obviously, McLaren are the team that I was expecting the most, I think, or whose upgrades have the most pressure on them. These are well-talked about, well-documented uh, upgrades that is going to begin to turn around their season, or so they hope. So where they how they get on this weekend is going to be one of the bigger talking points for the midfield for the rest of the season if these go well. Mm. It's very hard to establish any pecking order after Red Bull because there's going to be a, like I, I think every team's going to bring upgrades of some sort. This is this is the first reset 
past I want Absolutely. to Absolutely. Yeah. This is going to be, apart from Red Bull, I've got no clue after that, to be honest. Yeah. I, see, I do think Mercedes are bringing upgrades, but it's not the talked about um, no, concept philosophy upgrade that is Imola, so they say. The same with Ferrari. So Yeah. Um, lot, lot, if it's not here, then it's Imola. For the, like, That's the thing. Yeah. The teams, so. I do expect yeah. most up teams to bring something, and if not, it's coming in Imola. Yeah. Simple Regardless, as. every team is going to have a different looking car because obviously the low drag. Very much so. Like Martin will probably struggle because they are struggling with low drag on their car. So yeah, in saying that, they were surprisingly competitive in Jeddah Mm. and Australia. To be fair, considering the straight. Yeah. So I'm not sure. Again, it's like you like you said. Like there's going to be a lot of track specific updates here. You're going to that's what a lot of teams are going to bring. Like everyone knows what they're dealing with here. So. What's what's your most pressing question then ahead of the uh, ahead of this weekend's race? Will it be a ball fest or will it be another Azerbaijan chaos? It's one or the other, warrior? isn't it? It's never in between. We don't get a mid Azerbaijan race. It's always one extreme or the other. So uh, it's probably going to be the worst, considering the sprint race will be fun, but the actual race will be shit. I think personally, I actually think the sprint they're... race will sort of kill it. That's the thing. I think the sprint's going to be shit because of the stakes it's no, set one, one, one. for the yeah. yeah. This format's coming too late for this race. It would really help. Um, but yeah, I just yeah, I just not, I just not convinced this is going to be the one for the sprint. Also, good luck to anybody who stopped behind the Williams. Oof. Good luck. Good oh, fucking luck. They're going to have a good weekend. I have to. I'm going to hope. I think they're going to have a good. May, maybe weekend. sign a driver up permanently. You never know. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're in Monza mate that's, that's them done Monza Spa yeah those are the yeah. two big ones I'm in, like look it's like it's, it's hard to determine any pecking order yeah if this was later on in the season we could but the fact is this point now just, yeah. I, I just physically can't there's just so many I mean because you, know, you know teams are bringing so many updates You know, this is, this is the thing um, and this is naturally going to play to some teams' strength and not play to others. It's just, like you say, yeah, it's one extreme or the other. Yeah, I'm expecting Ferrari to struggle here. Very much so. I just want to see a clean weekend for Charlie Leclerc. Just see where that Ferrari no, is, because I, I just don't trust it in science's hands right now. I don't uh, think anybody does. And we just, haven't, we just haven't got a clear outline of what that car is capable of. We saw it was quicker than, in Leclerc's hands, he was heading for a podium in Bahrain. Yeah. And nothing's mm. happened since. And I just don't trust science's struggles with it right now. Um, so I just want to see how Leclerc, who I know is going to get the most out of that car and possibly beyond it. I just want to see how he gets on compared to the Mercedes and the Aston Martin of Alonso. It's, it's, it's a big weekend for him regardless, I think. Yeah. He needs to get his championship going. Really. Huge. Yeah. Just anything. What's he got? Six points? Yeah. Going fucking McLaren for God's sake. Yeah, so big weekend for them just to get just get back on track. I don't like, I don't care if it's a P four or a P five or a five and a six. Just a clean weekend is what Ferrari need for the data. <laughs> <laughs> for the data, yeah. So I'll see that from them. I want to see. I'm just curious to see where the Aston Martin Mercedes fight falls this weekend. I actually think Mercedes could have an upper hand, upper hand here. I don't know what it is. Well, why would they do that when they're going to put the car too close to the ground and bring in another <laughs> TD? Yeah, well, you know. Be silly. They never do that. Here's a wild stat. I, I I I saw this over the weekend. 
Lewis Hamilton has gone longer now without a win than yes, Max Verstappen has. From, yeah. Max was 2016 to somewhere. Yeah. 2017. So yeah. 2016 Singapore, uh, Spain to Malaysia 2017, five. which is 502 yeah. days. Yeah, and Lewis is obviously now longer than that and ticking up the, the by the day. Counting, which is, crazy. which is wild to think about. His last win, obviously, was Jeddah 2021, mm. um, which is now over 502 days. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, mm. I don't see that changing this weekend. Who <laughs> was at Donington, by the way, this weekend? Was he? For the Yes, his, it was the start of the British Touring Cross Championship, and obviously uh, Nicholas Hamilton was taking part. So oh, that's right. He's part that. Very nice. Yes, must so be a... I was I was within twenty mile radius of the goat. <laughs> must be hard to go and enjoy places like events like that yeah. where like you when you're that famous, you know you're gonna yeah. just get swamped. It's he tough. didn't get swamped. That's the thing. Well, fair play. That's nice. Yeah, he managed to hide himself that well. <laughs> Don't know how because yeah. his fashion sense is very out there. <laughs> so, and like obviously, he's got some like tattoos that are very distinguishable as well. Like, so yeah, it's like he, good job he was pissing it on. You need <laughs> for him. You need gloves. You need a scarf, uh, a cap, sunglasses. sunglasses for sure. Take out the nose stud. Yeah, but even still, like his facial features are quite fine. Like he's a good-looking chap. Yeah, you need a, like, like a it's nude. like he needs you, like snooze. On it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> nude would be different. Yeah. yeah, like he's got fine facial features. So like you, you'd, you'd like you'd know him if you saw him. Mm. I like these. I like to think. Um, so yeah, but like you said, the fashion sense makes it hard as well. Needs to pull up a pair of like trackies and <laughs> full chap. Yeah, chub. very much so. Uh, to, to do, yeah, so I'm interested to see the fight between them. I, I want to see how Sergio Perez responds this weekend. Obviously, the people, people have been, the, you can't call him the king of Baku. That's too soon, man. I've seen that go around. You can't be doing that. No, fuck off. <laughs> no, can't be, can't be doing that. When his race, when in reality, if he wins let's, star, then maybe yeah. Uh, you know and then wins in Monaco and Singapore, fine. Yeah, like let's let's cool it on the Street King thing. Let's just let's just chill and certainly let's not call the King the... for last year. Fine, fair enough. But yeah, and no, let's not all time. Let's chill on King of Baku as well for the time being. Like he won, he's won one race, and that race was his teammate crashed out. And let's be honest, if Hamilton hadn't forgot to deactivate the brake magic, um. Then he wouldn't have won that because because Hamilton did them into turn one and that would have been it. So he hadn't gone sailing on. So let let's cool it on that. Let's see how he gets on this weekend. Bounce back weekend. Not the best one. Like different. Yeah, very for look. There may have been more so car struggles in Australia. It seemed mm-hmm. like certainly with how his how his race went. It seemed maybe that maybe there was some merit to what he was saying in that regard. Yeah. So let's see how he gets on in that regard. Um. Yeah, that's and that's really all I have. Like, I just want to see how McLaren got on with their upgrade and how they got on with Alpine. Who, uh, oh, to be fair, like I'm curious about Alpine getting on because they've reaffirmed their targets for Mercedes. So let's mm. let's. I mean, look, let's be let's be fair. Like they were, they were they were the running with Ferrari. Certainly, you know they weren't. They were right there. Let's certainly in science. Look, and that's what I want to see, man. I want to see. I want like I want to see Leclerc. All right, let's let's just let's let's see. Yeah. Add twenty seconds on to that. Yeah. Yeah, but I want to see. I want to see it. I want, I, I'm curious to see because I think they're close. And like, I want to see how they how close they can get before they pull away again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, let's hop into a. Anything, is there anything else? Any other talking point that you think may crop might crop up uh, over the no. weekend? Um, and if not, we can hop into uh, a prediction of sorts. So for sprint, I'm just going to give you the winner. 
yeah. Max. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for the race, I'll give you the normal top five. Max. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sergio, I think it's... Unless there's reliability, I'm going to go Sergio. Mm-hmm. Third place, Charlie Leclerc. Um, fourth place, Fernando Alonso. Fifth place, George Russell. Okay. Uh, I will go... I actually think Perez will win the sprint. I think the whole position for the sprint, just because yeah. it's too risky, the crash, and if, if Baku, there would be damage, and I just think Perez will just take the sprint. Verstappen will take the race. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it could happen. No, um, I'm silly. I think something will happen to one of the Red Bulls in the race. I don't know which. Um, well, the last time we did this, something happened to one of the cars. So let's not do this. Please. <laughs> we're not having a scenario where Mercedes could win a race again. No, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'll just say, I'll just say, I'll just, yeah, I'll just go for a Red Bull one, two. Verstappen, Perez, um, Charlie Leclerc, uh, Hamilton, and Alonso. Okay, is where I'll go with we're that. The, we're along the same lines, pretty much same top three. Yeah, the roles reversed on the Mercedes and Aston Martin. Yeah, interesting. Very much so. Uh, and I, I would back Russell to beat Stroll. Simple as. Yeah, of course. Uh, any have you any? I was going to say any concerns with the Alpine duo? Do you, re, do you have you have you noticed that any Alpine team building thing is with Duan and Gasly and not Gasly and Ocon? Have you <laughs> yes. noticed that? Yes, I have. Hmm. Mm. Right. Suspicious. Um, mm. Yeah, there we go. There's F two in action as well, which should, should be fun. Uh, is there F three? No, there's not F three. Is there? No. no. So F two, yeah, F now F two is bonkers. To be fair, so I'm looking forward to that. That shit's gonna be fun. Mm. Uh, last year with Yuri Vips crash out from the lead, and with it his F1, his future F one career essentially. He had already gone before that weekend. Before, uh, had he be, so. was he running the black helmet by that stage? Yeah, I think he was, it, wasn't yeah. he? Gosh, yeah. uh, and even he's not in, in line for the Formula E test. Oh dear, mm. which he would have been. Probably, yeah. Oof. Anyway. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Switchback Formula 1 podcast. I've been Graham. I've been Twisty McTwist. Yeah. Tony Hawk fan? Of course. You pulled a McTwist son. And uh, <laughs> we will see you next week. Goodbye.